for the Buckeye Boy for Cake Today. Good morning, Max. How are you? I'm good, Jim. Good morning. I went to the, the Avalanche game on Saturday. They had Avalanche players making their predictions on who would be in the Super Bowl. I forgot who it was for the Avalanche, but they picked your Bears to be in the Super Bowl, by the way. This coming Super Bowl? Yeah, this was like at the start of the season. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I gotta send that guy something. They were, uh, there were a couple guys that picked the Broncos to be in the Super Bowl. Send him a hot dog with a pickle on it or maybe uh, yeah. beef or something. But uh, the good, the bad, the ugly on this Monday on the Jim Davis Show. So uh, give us your thoughts about uh, what makes your list. The ugly was Brock Purdy getting hurt, the elbow injury. Then Josh Johnson, Broncos backup, gets hurt. They try to bring Purdy back in. He can't really throw the ball. They run Christian McCaffrey at Wildcat, which screams... Why does the NFL, why, why do they walk away from the third quarterback, the inactive? In a position that is pretty mission critical for any football team. And I think it goes to show that not anybody can just go in there and play quarterback. I mean, it's okay. You can run, you get guys like McCaffrey and run the Wildcat a little bit, but it's, it's a, it's a gadget play. It's, it's a red zone scheme that you come up with. It's not something you can go out and run in a football game. Particularly in the NFC Championship game. The NFL needs to rethink that. To have a third quarterback that doesn't count against your roster, that's inactive, and can only play if one of the two active quarterbacks gets hurt. In a position that's so critical, that's so necessary. We shouldn't have had to watch that yesterday where Christian McCaffrey asked to try to play quarterback. And where you're San Francisco, you you don't have a chance of coming back in that game. It's not going to happen. Brock Purdy couldn't throw the ball. Johnson's done with a concussion. And at least with somebody that's played the position knows the playbook is a quarterback by stock and trade that maybe at least got some kind of fighting chance. And not that the Niners are going to win that football game. San Francisco played great yesterday. But when Purdy got hurt, their chance, they, and then Johnson got hurt, and then didn't look great when Johnson was in there. Had, had the snap that was right to him, and he fumbles it. That leads to points for Philadelphia. But at least if you've got a third-string quarterback, a guy that's inactive, that only only play, can only play him if one of the other two guys gets hurt, that game doesn't... I don't think the outcome changes, but certainly doesn't look as bad as it did yesterday for San Francisco. So if you've got some thoughts on that today, uh, the good, the avalanche... Getting a big, big win on Saturday. Big four points that they picked up when they uh, knocked out the St. Louis Blues on Saturday. Appreciated uh, Altitude Sports for uh, letting us uh, go over. My wife and myself went over for the affiliate event, and that was a lot of fun. Really enjoyed that. Got to see the Avalanche come up with a big win on Saturday against the Blues. Nuggets didn't go quite as well. 
big showdown with uh, Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, two guys who are going to be vying for the MVP. Joker's got the last two. Embiid wants, wants his first. And Embiid was unstoppable Saturday. 47 points. He played really, really well in that game. So a lot to get to. The good, the bad, the ugly. Colorado Mesa basketball. The men bounced back after they had their 10-game winning streak snapped on Tuesday at Westminster. They throttle Western Colorado on Saturday. Maverick women lose a heartbreaker. And then area basketball. Both central teams with wins against Eagle Valley. Both Fruta teams with wins in Southwestern League play against Durango. And so tomorrow night we'll have a very busy night. It's full court coverage, Grand Junction at Fruta Monument, and then we'll have Montrose at Central tomorrow night. So it all starts at uh, 5.15, our full court coverage, live coverage of all that action, the girls and boys tomorrow night right here on the Team Sports Network. So uh, we'll have our Browns cremation and funeral service uh, coming up later on, a good call, bad call, and along with our Mighty Mavs and Prep Stars, we'll have that for you as well in the uh, 8 o'clock hour so. Text or call 970-242-1340. I imagine, Max, you probably watched a little bit or listened to a little bit of uh, the games yesterday. Just, just your takeaway on on what uh, caught your, your attention yesterday in the NFC and AFC championship games. Uh, indeed I did, Jim. Thank you. I, I echo a lot of the sentiments you said about the third quarterback being a necessity because I had some friends over. And the instant all the quarterback drama happened with Josh Johnson, with Brock Purdy, that game, we checked out of that game. As consumers of the product, I don't think the NFL wants that. So that's exact. And we're, we're watchers. We'll keep the game on. Right. But even you're... if it's not our teams. But we noticed right away that there was no competitive fire juice left whatsoever within the San Francisco 49ers. Which was, you know, rightly so, because, man, the importance of the quarterback position was well on display after those tough injuries that the San Francisco 49ers certainly encountered. And, yeah, uh, a fourth quarterback, uh, a third, fourth quarterback would be a, a great idea. You know, I mean, even if it's the guy holding the clipboard for years, it's if it's the Chase Daniels, if it's, you know, if it's the Steve Burlines, if it's the Frank Reichs, you, you got to have them. Otherwise... You have no hope. There was no chance. It was absolutely wiped out. Even like a 99%, like a 1% chance for San Francisco didn't really exist, I would say, in my mind, as soon as Josh Johnson went down. With the quality of the Eagles team and how hard it is to do that against probably anybody in the NFL, San Francisco is really good offensively, but if you're doing that against any team in the NFL, chances are you're not going to do great, not going to go well for you. So, you know, before 2011, NFL teams you could have a third quarterback in uniform on an emergency basis. It gave teams a 46th active player, although if you entered the game before the fourth quarter, none of the other quarterbacks could return. And then the NFL, as of 2011, they expanded the game day roster from 45 to 46, allowing teams to suit up another play at any position at one or two quarterback, you know, safety, offensive you know, a tackle, you, know, you name it. Linebacker, they could suit up anybody they wanted to. Most teams don't want to have three quarterbacks that, and have that one count against the roster spot because you want maybe depth at the cornerback position. You want guys who can play special teams. There's the, a third quarterback 
takes up a spot where he's probably not going to play. And you have you could use that roster spot, and teams have deemed that to be the more reasonable use of that spot for players that can contribute on special teams that are going to contribute more than a third quarterback would. I, I just think that after watching yesterday, maybe it's just time to bring back the third quarterback rule, but don't reduce the roster back to 45. Leave it at 46. And essentially have a 47th player. But have the rule be like it's always been, or like it was before, prior to 2011, that that third quarterback, if he enters before the fourth quarter, nobody else can play. You have to make that decision of that we are. And yesterday, that decision would have been an easy one for Kyle Shanahan to make. Brock Purdy couldn't throw the ball. Josh Johnson was done with the concussion. That there was there was no chance. Purdy was not going to come back and be effective. And you saw that yesterday. It's a tough ending for what's been a sensational season for Brock Purdy and the San Francisco 49ers. But it just, yesterday, there, there's, there's no need for that. And I know there's the concerns about quarterbacks being exposed to the waiver wire, and you, you, you get a guy and you kind of like him, and the Brett Rippins of the world, and you're worried about losing him off. I, I just think at this point in time, if you're a team, you the NFL needs to watch what happened yesterday and go, yeah, we, we need to avoid that. I know there are going to be people that say, well, it doesn't happen that often. But it happened yesterday in the NFC Championship game. Isn't that enough for you? And to me, what, what does it hurt if you have essentially a 47th guy that doesn't count against your active roster, is a break glass in case of emergency guy, He's only going to play if somebody else gets hurt. It to me it was it's kind of embarrassing yesterday. I felt bad for the I felt bad for the Niners, a team that I have a lot of respect for, a team that I thought could go to the Super Bowl and maybe win it until Brock Purdy got hurt. And then you're going, uh-oh. <laughs> like I said, once again. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to be an apologist for San Francisco. Eagles played great yesterday. Defensively, they they were the better team than the league's top defense yesterday. They were sensational yesterday, and they they kind of kept plugging away. the The Eagles did with their their ground game. Miles Sanders had a big game. It wasn't a huge game for Jalen Hurts, but that's okay. You know, he did have a, a, a touchdown yesterday. But their ground game was good enough. Their defense was good enough to get the job done. But for San Francisco, if they have even something resembling decent quarterback play, guy that's played the position, don't say they win it, but certainly it's not. I don't know if it's 31-7 necessarily. And and so I think that's something certainly the NFL needs to to take a long look at. So we've got a lot to get to on the program this morning. Got some thoughts on that today. Text or call us, 970-242-1340. We had our football picks from Friday. I believe I have now tied the Buckeye boy because he went Bengals and Niners. And I'll be honest, if he hadn't picked them, and I didn't, I was probably going to go the same way. 
but because I needed I needed to gain two games on him, I went the opposite way. Thank you, Kansas City. My wife's going, are you, are you rooting for him? I'm like, no. not Yes, but no. I want them to win because I want to get Buckeye tied up. Am I going to enjoy it? No. Am I going to relish Mahomes and the Chiefs being in the Super Bowl? No. But sometimes when you want to win, sometimes you have to be willing to sacrifice your own personal pride a little bit and pick a team that you just you just hate, and that'd be Kansas City. I respect Andy Reid. State Farm commercials are hilarious. I like Mahomes. Never be a Chiefs fan. Never. But I was happy they won yesterday so I could tie the Buckeye boy. Had to go the opposite way, and it worked out for me yesterday. All right, so text or call. You got some early predictions on Chiefs and Eagles coming up two weeks out in Arizona, Phoenix. Text or call us, 970-242-1340. Uh, we're going to have some sound coming up later on. We'll go around the NFL. A very short around the NFL when it comes to recapping games. There were just two yesterday. But uh, we'll also, I, I guess... Greg Penner met with Jim Harbaugh again. Wait, I thought thought this was all over with. Thought it was thought he was out of the mix. Thought he was going back. Khakis are coming back in Colorado. I, I, I don't know. Apparently, Greg Penner met in person with him last week. He, so he's a great Halloween costume, an absolute fantastic Halloween costume. Jim Harbaugh, glasses. Khakis. You got to press those pants. Got to get high high starch. Oh, you, you better believe. Oh, you better believe a lot of starch in those khakis. A lot of starch in those khakis. But yeah, I, I saw that story over the weekend. I'm like, what? I, I thought that that was all done. Guess not. Uh, looking at the spread right now. What's tight? <laughs> it's like the. Eagles favored by like a point at this at this moment. The opener was two and a half. Uh, it was Kansas City two and a half, and then look at another line here. Has the Eagles are favored? I don't know. Patrick Mahomes has got two weeks. That ankle in what seven eight days looked good enough to get the job done. Give him two weeks. I've enjoyed the narrative surrounding it. Yeah. The, uh, the, the legend builder or whatever. Yeah. See, like I said last week, R- Russell, Wilson could, Russell Wilson could say that he had Wolverine blood. No, 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 no. Mahomes the dude that has Wolverine blood. That's the guy. Which it isn't really Wolverine's blood. It's Edmantium. And every, you and I share a love of comics. So we, won't get, <laughs> we won't go down that rabbit hole. It's not really his blood. It's the other, it's the stuff that he got injected with into his bones that, that make him who he is, to be quite honest. But, but yeah, it'd be, it'd be Mahomes would be that guy. I mean, oh, he's you, the man. you watch the Jacksonville game, you're going, maybe they just need to play Chad Henney. I mean, Henney led them on a 98 yard drive in that game. I mean, Mahomes is limping around, but he still found a way to get it done. And then yesterday, 326, two touchdowns? You'd, you'd rather have Mahomes at 75% than almost anybody else in the league, right? I would probably, I'd probably go with that, yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably pretty fair. 
All right, 716, Jim along with Max today from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. We will give you a chance uh, this morning to get qualified for our big game giveaway. Uh, the table we're going to give away at Buffalo Wild Wings. Your chance to win a table for six and 50 wings for the big game coming up in two weeks. We'll also have the number game as well on the program this morning, so uh, make sure you uh, stick around for that. Also, we'll talk uh, in a few minutes with uh, Kyle Crowder, Delta Panthers girls basketball coach. Both Delta teams at Rifle tomorrow night on our sister station, The Monkey, which is 95.7 here in the Valley and 97.1 in Delta. So uh, Delta at Rifle tomorrow night with Mark Cantor over on The Monkey. We'll talk with uh, Kyle Crowder coming up in just a few minutes. All right, it's time for... What's happening? And it's brought to you by our good friends over at ComWest. And at ComWest... If you're looking for a new office phone system, that's the place to call. They put our office phone system in here at the radio station. Incredible technology. They're your technology partner. They help business owners grow their business by providing quality, reliable, personalized technology solutions to support and secure their business technology consistently and professionally. Whether it's PC and server support, business phone systems, surveillance, cybersecurity, backup and disaster recovery, ComWest, Nathan and the crew, they have you covered. Give them a call today, 970-242-8142. All right, lead things off with yesterday. The uh, top seeds in both conferences will meet in Super Bowl 57 in Phoenix in two weeks. The Philadelphia Eagles drilled San Francisco in the NFC Championship game 31-7 behind a suffocating defense and two Miles Sanders rushing touchdowns. San Francisco quarterback Brock Purdy sustained an elbow injury early in the game and gave way to former Broncos backup Josh Johnson. Johnson left the game with a concussion as the 49ers turned back to a limited Purdy and running back Christian McCaffrey is a Wildcat quarterback in the AFC title game. The top-seeded Chiefs beat Cincinnati 23-20 on Harrison Butker's field goal with three seconds left in regulation. Kansas City quarterback Patrick Mahomes played on a severely sprained right ankle and threw for 326 yards and two touchdowns in the win and catch Super Bowl 57 on the Team Sports Network February 12th. Over the weekend in college basketball, the CU Buffs dropped their game with the Oregon State Beavers Saturday, losing by the score of 60-52. to Tristan DeSilva led the way of 22 points for Colorado. CSU Rams fell Saturday to Boise State 80-59. to Four players for the Broncos in double digits. Isaiah Stevens, the only Ram to hit double digits. He scored 19 points. In a battle of two potential MVPs, Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets fell to Joel Embiid in the 76ers Saturday, 126-119. Embiid scored 47 points in the win. Jokic had 24 points, 8 rebounds, and 9 assists to lead the Nuggets in those categories. Nuggets host New Orleans tomorrow night at Ball Arena. And uh, good news for the Avalanche. They picked up the win on Saturday, taking on their rivals, the St. Louis Blues. Alex Newhook's birthday goal was one of four. Avalanche goals that helped Colorado beat the Blues 4-2 on Saturday. Avs have won seven out of their last eight games before the NHL All-Star break. Matt Nieto scored his first goal in Avs sweater since being traded during the week. So the Avalanche will return on February 7th when they take on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Actually, they'll also have uh, the return uh, for that road trip also February 9th where they won the Stanley Cup. They'll be in Tampa Bay. So they head into the All-Star break. As far as Colorado Mesa basketball from this past weekend, Maverick basketball teams back at home for the first time since early January. 
and the Colorado Mesa men return to their winning ways against Western Colorado University with a convincing 82-46 to one at Brownson Arena. Plays three to love the way for the Mavericks with 25 points and six rebounds. Trevor Baskin had 16 points and six rebounds in the win. CMU head coach Mike DeGeorge says that complacency is to be avoided at this point in the season because what happens in February can carry over to March. Well, this time of year, a lot of teams start to get complacent, and I really think February is the key to March. And if you can take that next step forward and not just sort of be complacent with where you are, those are the teams that are going to perform the best. Maverick women lost in a heartbreaker on Saturday night, 61-60. to uh, Josie Stedman came off the bench, lead the Mavericks with 15 points. Monica Brooks had a double of 10 points and 10 rebounds. Head coach Taylor Wagner says that Stedman was ready to play hard off the bench, and that's what he expects from his players from week to week. She was ready, and that, that's what everyone needs to be able to do. It's hard coming off the bench, but I thought she played phenomenal, and she actually kept us in the game for about 35 minutes, so she did a phenomenal job. Both Maverick basketball teams host Regis on Friday right here on the Team CMU Sports Network. The Central Girls and Boys basketball team swept their home games with Eagle Valley Saturday. The Warrior Girls beat the Devils 61-32 to to move to 9-6. and Christina Manzanera scored 19 points and hit four threes for Central, with Bryn Wagner adding 16 points with two threes. Central Boys beat Eagle Valley 66-50 to to improve to 13-4. and The Warriors' Jackson Amos scored 20 points and hit four threes. Both Central teams host Montrose tomorrow night on the team during our full-court coverage. Starts at 5.15. In other games, the Fruit of Monument girls are 2-0 in the Southwestern League after beating Durango 30-28 to on Saturday. The Wildcat boys are also 2-0 in league after hammering the Demons 75-31. to The Wildcats' Daniel Thomason scored 17 on the win as both Fruit of Monument teams host Grand Junction tomorrow night, part of our full-court coverage on the Team Sports Network. Montrose basketball team split with Durango on Friday. The Red Hot girls fell to the Demons 44-26 to with Briar Moss scoring 10 in the loss. Montrose boys defeated Durango 42-34 buying 14 points from Caleb Ferguson. The Delta basketball team split at Summit Saturday. The Panther girls picked up a narrow 40-39 win against uh, win with the Delta boys losing to the Tigers 67-53. Both teams play a rifle tomorrow night on the Monkey with pregame at 545. The 5A 7th-ranked Central Wrestling team continued their winning ways this past weekend. The Warriors won their third straight tournament title in taking the championship at the Mile High Classic at Thomas Jefferson, where it's 6-pound Eli Hernandez and 132-pound Hassan Mains both won championships with five of their Warriors taking second place. Fruto Monument Wrestling Team took third place at the Davy Swenson Invitational at Hiram, Utah. The Wildcats had three second-place finishers in Gino Gallegos, Dylan Chelowitzki, and True Tobias. And then the District 51 Phoenix Girls Wrestling Team faced the top two teams in the state at the Chatfield Warhorse Invitational. Top-ranked Chatfield won the title with second-ranked Discovery Canyon taking second place. Sixth-ranked D51 was led by 119-pound Layla Castro's third-place finish. And that's... What's happening? All right, Jim, along with Max today from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios. Coming up next, we'll talk with Delta girls basketball coach Kyle Crowder. This is the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Yeah, I think they're like the best on the radio. At least at the pro level, the best of the best. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Welcome back, Jim, along with Max Ryan. Today, it's Monday, the good, the bad, the ugly on the Jim Davis Show. What makes your list? Text or call us, 970-242-1340. And uh, 
our conversation with uh, Delta Girls coach Kyle Crowder brought to you by the Rick Nelson Agency and American Family Insurance for a free comparison. Call this team of licensed professionals at 970-241-0078. Kyle Crowder joins us. Kyle, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Jim? Doing fine. A uh, good road trip for your team this past weekend with, with Summit. Uh, boy, that was a nail-biter, wasn't it, with Summit getting a one-point victory? It was. It was, you know, and uh, I'm I'm happy with the win. You know, it was uh, a little snowy trip over, so a uh, four-and-a-half-hour trip turned into about six-and-a-half hours on the bus. So we were happy to get there and, uh, you know, a little a little slow, you know, sitting on the bus that long. And uh, um, the girls kind of finally started putting it together in the second half. We were real flat coming out early, but uh, excited for the win. I think any time you can win, whether it's one or 100 down the stretch here, um, you're happy to get away with that. Yeah, forty to thirty-nine victory for your basketball team. Uh, they scored sixteen points. That scored you by six in the fourth quarter, but but able to come up with a victory. Kind of take us through uh, the final minutes of that game, trying to try to protect the lead. Or what was the circumstance at the end of that game for your team to be able to come up with that one-point victory? You know, we we were kind of in control of that game. I know the score looks a little closer than it really was, but we were in pretty good control of that game, um, up seven or nine most of the fourth quarter and. Uh, down the stretch, they hit a couple of three-pointers. Uh, we missed uh, the front end of a one-and-one, one, had a had a bad turnover. Um, but we had a couple of girls come up real big. Um, we advanced the ball, and uh, Adri Frazier, she finished a, a bucket and got an and-one opportunity, and then Kylie Huff stepped up and knocked down a couple of free throws for us, which put us up four um, with about 15 seconds to go, and they came down and we, we just did a good job kind of getting back, and they hit a buzzer-beater three-pointer, so it got to one point. But, um, you know, it was it was good. You know, they tied us up, and uh, my kids had really good composure down the stretch there and were able to put a couple of buckets in. So so pretty pleased with, with the way that they handled that situation. Delta girls basketball coach Kyle Crowder with us. Uh, Delta now 9-5 and five overall, 6-0 and oh in the 4A Western Slope League. And you currently, you know, with with this winning streak that you're on right now, Kyle, I, I want to look at just like the, for example, the last, let's say, the last five games that you played, starting with Coleridge. Uh, I mean, well, let's let's go to the Rifle game because you gave up 48 to Coleridge, but only nine points to Rifle, 32 to Moffat County, 26 to Basalt, and then 39. You held some at a point under 40. That anytime you can hold somebody under 40 points. That's that shows your team's playing pretty good defense, and during the, the stretch of these, you know, these four games, or actually, yeah, these four games that I was referencing, your team has played outstanding defense. You know, and and I, I agree with you 100. percent That's kind of the thing that we we rely on. We weren't very good defensively early in the season, but we're starting to um, figure it out. You know, and um, it's a benefit the fact that we can play nine or ten deep, and uh, you know, those girls they come out and when they're on the floor, they play as hard as they can. And, you know, we're long and athletic, so, of course, we can um, create a lot of havoc with our defense. So um, the kids are just doing a really good job. They're playing really well together. Uh, again, you know, it was one of those performances. I think we had 17 buckets, and uh, I think uh, 12 or 13 of those were assisted. So, you know, it's just really good team ball offensively and defensively. So so I'm excited about the fact that they're, they're kind of finding their, their rhythm here, and um, I'm looking forward to what we can do down the stretch here. Yeah, Panther girls on a seven-game winning streak right now. Kyle Crowder joining us as you take on Rifle uh, coming up on Tuesday night. You play them at your place, uh, really handle them 
with a 50 to 9 victory. Uh, Blake Hostetler for them has been their their leading scorer this year, Kyle. About eight points per basketball game. She's their uh, one of their top rebounders as well at, at a little over five rebounds per contest. I mean, when you when you beat a team like you beat Rifle on your home floor, how do you guard against uh, maybe some complacency? I mean, on the road, it's always going to be more of a challenge, no doubt about that, regardless of the record or the result the last time. But it's, uh, you, I, I think you certainly are, are doing everything you can to keep your team from thinking too much about, you know, that that really that that lopsided victory the last time you faced the Bears. Yeah, you know, I mean, I can say that's one of the special things about this team is they have a kind of this mentality that every possession we just want to do the best that we can. So regardless of what the scoreboard looks like, they want to go out there and they want to compete on every possession. So, um, you know, it's pretty easy to keep those kids hungry. They they want to do the best that they can, and, and they're excited for each other when they're getting buckets. So, you know, just, just it's, a, it's a pretty special place where they're at because they don't really look at a team and say, you know, we know it's going to be a, a easy win for us. They just look at it and say, hey, we get an opportunity to go out there and do what we do. And, uh, you know, it, it's showing because we're able to kind of dominate from beginning to end in a lot of those games, and we kind of expect the same here in the future. What were the keys to success the last time you faced the Bears? Obviously, I mean, you held them to nine points, so uh, their senior, uh, Gutierrez-Lopez, she led the way with just five points in that game. What was the key to your success last time out? What do you hope to replicate coming up on Tuesday night? Uh, you know, we did a lot of things good defensively. Uh, we were able to mix it up. We pressed a little bit. Um, we got some easy buckets. But also in the fact that we have, you know, our, our depth, we can come in and we just keep the pressure on. So a kid goes in and, um, you know, they play as hard as they can for two or three minutes and, and create some opportunities. And then the next kid gets on and does the same. So, you know, just I think our depth and I think our experience at this point, I mean, I think every kid can go in and contribute. So, um, you know. Just, just gives us a, a lot of different looks that we can do with a lot of different kids. Well, you rolled out 13 players in that game the last time you faced Rifles, so everybody uh, got minutes in that game, and uh, certainly, uh, you know, like you said, it uh, your depth really showed in that game against Rifles, so uh, the Delta Panther girls and the boys take on Rifle coming up tomorrow night over on the Monkey. Uh, Mark Cantrell will have the call in both games, uh, girls pregame at uh, 545, uh, tip it at 6, and the boys at 730 from Rifle. And you can hear uh, those games tomorrow night on Highway 50 Game of the Week here in the Valley, 95.7 FM. And then, of course, in Delta, 97.1 for uh, Delta Panthers basketball. Hey, appreciate it. Thank you so much, Kyle. Good luck tomorrow night when you score off against Rifle. Thank you. Appreciate all the time. Uh, thank you, Kyle. Take care. Kyle Crowder, the coach of the Delta Panther girls basketball team, joining us on the program this morning. All right, so text or call us, 970-242-1340. The good, the bad, the ugly from the weekend. What makes your list? Uh, we'd love to hear from you, your thoughts about what we saw in the NFC Championship game yesterday where Brock Purdy gets hurt, Josh Johnson comes in, Josh Johnson has to leave with a concussion, Purdy can't throw, injures his, his elbow, a play where his arm got hit, Christian McCaffrey has to end up attempting a pass, they try to wildcat quarterback it with him, and it, it screams the need for having a third quarterback again. Guy that doesn't count against your roster. Keep it the way it is. But maybe just, maybe that, there's now a 47th guy, and he's your third string quarterback. He can't play. If he plays, I mean, he can only play in case of emergency if one of the two active quarterbacks go down. 
So you can't have a third guy and he's your running quarterback or whatever. He's He's got to be a guy that's essentially a practice squad quarterback that's active or that's inactive but could be activated if one of your starting, if you're one of your two active quarterbacks gets hurt. This reminds me of when goalies in the NHL go down and there's that equipment manager or there's that one special guy that's on call, on reserve, waiting in the wings to come on, slap some pads on, stop some frozen rubber. Now, I don't know if there's a policy there, Jim. Maybe you know better than I do. But the NHL, uh, they maybe could throw some advice. The well, every, everybody NFL, has yeah that, you know, that emergency goaltender. Right. Guy that's maybe former NHL player, guy that's just you know available in case neither goalie is well, those are, able to play. Those, we, are, those are two games and two positions that are absolutely essential to the game functioning for either team to have a fair shot at winning. But those guys are typically not roster guys. Right. And this would be a case where you'd have him suited up, ready to go. And he he would be your practice squad quarterback. That would be your your forty seventh guy. Not an active player. Only becomes active when somebody else isn't active in that game. Which means starting quarterback gets hurt. Then you have to go to the backup, and so then all of a sudden your third string inactive quarterback becomes an active player that could play in the game. But if he enters the game before the fourth quarter, that's. You have to make that decision because the other guy can't come back. Say your starter gets hurt, backup goes in, backup plays like garbage, and then you decide, say it's mid-third, to play your emergency quarterback. Can't put the other guy back in. Injuries, though, they're part of the game. Yeah. They are. And what happened yesterday was kind of a, a freak accident situation, and it is pretty representative of the 49ers season the injuries they experienced not only at that Trey Lance Jimmy Garoppolo then they go to Brock Purdy and then Josh Johnson throughout yeah so they went through four you know four quarterbacks this season that's I maybe the NFL says hey that's the game we have the lot in in our football lives (laughs) the those crosses that we bear for the football game maybe that's just it Maybe that doesn't ever come into play for another 15, 20 years, and maybe the NFL justifies it that way because it, it, it's a large part of the game. And, I mean, it, it ebbs and flows with the injury report. To, to me, it's just, why not? You did it before, and you what you did was you took away, okay, well, you don't have to have three quarterbacks. You can suit up a quarterback if you want to, but you can use that position that 46 roster spot however you want to. Okay, that that's that's all well and good until something like yesterday happens. Where all of a sudden you need a third quarterback. And you're playing the NFC Championship game with Christian McCaffrey taking snaps. Look, McCaffrey's a talented dude. I have a lot of respect for Christian McCaffrey, but he's not going to quarterback them to a win against the Eagles in Philadelphia in the NFC Championship game. It's just not going to happen. Do you do you think if there was a third, fourth string quarterback in, do you would you have had any faith in him getting the job done at that point? I would say that at least they would have had a puncher's chance. 
at least you have a guy that's played the position, that's worked with the receivers, that's been a you know, practice squad guy, that's maybe got a little bit of time at practice, that at least knows the play calls from a quarterback standpoint, has played the position, can take snaps. I mean, Chris McCaffrey doesn't... I mean, I have the shotgun under center. He doesn't take snaps. He's a running back. That- and, and so, just to have somebody that knows how to play the position... Look, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that if they had a, would have an emergency quarterback yesterday available, that they were going to beat the, the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't think it was going to happen. But at least they would have had the chance to maybe hang in that game, maybe find a way, because they're, they're, their defense had the, you know, the top-ranked defense, maybe they forced a turnover, maybe short field for your backup quarterback, find a way to... punch it in the end zone because at least there's competency and performance at at that position. Yeah, I'm I'm, no, please do not take it as oh, if they could have had a third quarterback, they would have won that game. (laughs) No, they probably were still going to, they were probably still going to lose the game, but at least they would have had the feeling that we've got a chance here because we've got a guy that's played quarterback and at least we have that working in our favor with an emergency quarterback coming in. The game might have been less ugly as well because the San Possibly. Francisco 49ers defense might have thought they had a better chance with somebody like that and sure. not kind of had their whole game devolve into what it was because of the frustration of not having a quarterback. I mean, Josh Johnson, I mean, showing you what your backup means, I mean, he had I mean, he was 7 of 13, 74 yards before he got hurt. They probably weren't going to win with Josh Johnson, but he came in and he completed, he completed like a slant off the right side. Then he had to snap the ball, hit him right in the hands, which goes also goes to show you, even if a guy has got some reps at the quarterback spot, doesn't mean that he's always necessarily ready to go because it hit him right in the hands. I mean, Purdy was 4 for 4, 23 yards, but then he got hurt and he couldn't throw the ball at all. Caffrey was 0 for 1 yesterday. That, that, that play where he did pass was wild. That whole yeah. just... Ten seconds was a roller coaster. Yeah, I, I just, I just feel like that. At least it would have given them some hope. And then when you could see that Purdy couldn't throw the football, you're, you're out of hope if you're a Niners fan. You were not going to be able to come back and win that football game. All right, so some thoughts on that today. Text or call us nine seven zero two four two thirteen forty. It is time for sound check. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. All right, Max, what do you have today? Uh, in honor of yesterday's uh, victories for the Eagles and the Chiefs, I have a celebration song done by the Philadelphia Eagles. I think football players should probably play football and do not as much singing as possible. Jalen Hurts, I guess, didn't get that memo. My point, Jim, Eagles singing almost as bad as Eagles fans' behavior in this little uh, snippet right here. One, two, three. Fly, Eagles, fly on the road to victory. Fly, Eagles, fly for a touchdown. One, two, three. So that's Jalen Hurts leading the Ooh. entire Philadelphia fan base. Good thing that Duke a quarterback. And yeah, <laughs> after the game. Oh, wow. That's 
Hey, you know what? When That's when you nice. win, sing like nobody's listening, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I just don't expect to see him on the masked singer. Probably not any promo tie-ins for Fox in the future for Jalen Hurts on one of their big programs. Yeah, the the mass singer, yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, Maybe not, Jalen Hurts. Let's uh, hope not. Let's let's hope that that doesn't. Good happen. thing he can ball, man, because he is not an American Idol. He does not have the chops. <laughs> no, not saying that I could do really any better, but then again, I wouldn't try. Just and that and that's I'd what stay we in my lane. That's what we appreciate, Jim. <laughs> stay in my lane. It's going to stay in my lane. All right, seven forty-one. Jim, along with Max today. We'll take a break. We'll come back and. Uh, Nuggets and a big showdown with Philadelphia. Some might feel at some point, maybe that might be a NBA Finals matchup. Maybe, possibly. Didn't go well for the Nuggets on Saturday for the Avalanche. Big win at home over the St. Louis Blues. We'll get into that coming up next. It's the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Craptastic. That's just crap. The team presents the Jim Davis Show. On Colorado's sports leader, the team. Welcome back, 745. Jim along with Max Ryan today. Buckeye boy back tomorrow. Saw that uh, he made it safely back to the States. His uh, lovely wife, Karen, putting on Facebook that they made it back. They've been marked safe? Yes, they trip of a lifetime and um i i think karen spent a lot of time babysitting buckeye boy sitting i just got that feeling that that was probably at least one of the pictures i saw looked like there was a lot of a lot of uh babysitting the buckeye boy uncle rio's night night juice yeah powerful stuff the ayatollah of rum and cola i think uh, was having a very good time in st martin's i think that was probably what was going on all right, so the Nuggets, they were playing against Philadelphia on Saturday and big-time showdown. Nuggets 34-16, and 16, Sixers now 32-16. and 16, Denver loses 126-119 to 119 on the road. And Joel Embiid was, he was great. I mean, that's all you can say. Sometimes you just have to tip your cap. 47 points, 18 rebounds, 5 assists. He shot 58% from the field. And it wasn't like Nikola Jokic was was garbage in this game. He just wasn't as good as Joel Embiid. And Jokic with 24 points, 8 rebounds, 9 assists. I mean, Joker still shot 66% from the field. He had a couple of threes. He had two blocks. Did turn it over seven times. And Nuggets had five players that finished in double digits, led by the Joker. 22 from Jamal Murray. MPJ back after dealing with the situation with his brother, Corbin, uh, but 20 points for Michael Porter Jr. Aaron Gordon had 18. But for the Nuggets, this is the kind of game where this is where the detractors will go, ah, see, Denver's not as good as you like to think they are. Because, I mean, they were they were full complement. There was, it wasn't a case where, you, you know, Jamal Murray was out for knee maintenance or Joker was out like he was the other night with the little uh, reoccurrence of the hamstring issue. No, they were fully loaded, ready to go, and the Sixers kicked well, kicked them around on Saturday. Embiid was like I said, just essentially unstoppable in that game. I like Joker's game a lot. 
I think he needs to shoot more. I don't mind him going eight for eight and being incredibly efficient and putting up Will Chamberlain numbers, but I, you got to score the basketball, man. You're, yeah. you're one of the best humans playing basketball on the planet. You got to put the ball in the bucket for the Nuggets, and I love it. I mean, like he, his game is amazing, and you just said he had, he had blocks, turnovers a little high, but the dude has a full stat line almost every night, but... Yeah, when when you've got your counterpart going for forty seven, you've got you've got to take some more shots, man. You are Nikola Jokic, two time MVP runner, yeah. two time MVP man. Don't worry about it. Everybody wants you to shoot the ball. Go ahead. Yeah, and I was thinking a game like that where you you kind of have to match Embiid's intensity, and guys, I think are going to feed off of that. And it was Nikola was still kind of. Like, like he does. I mean, there are games where he will, will will go off for 30, 40 points. We've seen that. But there was still this feeling of, I'm going to defer. I'm, I'm still going to score. I still want to get everybody involved. I, I just think there, there are going to be games where he has to be able to, to grab the reins and to say, look, I've, I, you know, you guys, Jamal, everybody else, you guys are great teammates, great players. There are going to be times, though, that he has to be the guy that I mean, this offense runs through him already. Until, and where he has to take over the lead when it comes from a scoring standpoint. Until you get Jamal Murray playing like he did back in the bubble, and we're starting to see flashes of that we had his first triple double of his career. Yeah, here a while back when when Nicola was out the hamstring, yeah. uh, tightness. We've seen flashes of that. Yeah, but that that high high post pick and roll with Jokic, Jokic and uh, Murray, unstoppable. Especially when we were watching it in the bubble. Haven't seen it since. Obviously, the Murray injury is a big part of that. But I hope they can still keep it rolling, uh, keep it going because that that is a fearsome duo when they're playing like that and a duo that can lead the Nuggets to anywhere they want to go. But once NBA. again, you can't. It's a long season, Max. You can't. Can't get too high, can't get too low here for the Nuggets. You're still best team in the Western Conference. You're still one of the best teams in the league. You've you've got Nikola Jokic. You're you know Porter's back. That that will help. He'll get his feet back under him since he's been off. And I, I just think that the addition of Bruce Brown, Kentavious Caldwell, Pope, I think have been big big additions. Pope in particular for this team, they're going to be just fine. You can't freak out, but you do. You would have liked in a primetime game like that for Denver to have gone to Philadelphia and got a win and not have Joel Embiid go off for 47 on you. That is true, especially with the way Michael Malone wants to play defense. Exactly. And that's one of the games where it, that, that makes Michael Malone crazy where they, where, where they take a step or two back defensively like they did against Philadelphia. Then there's their icy brethren, the Colorado Avalanche, who had an incredible win against St. Louis, almost blew it, had the 2-0 lead. They end up winning 4-2. But a big moment was Alexander Georgiev, who came up with a huge save late in that game. But then the willingness to go after Jordan Bennington and you know, Georgiev was, was ready to go out and kind of like uh, Wah and Osgood back in the day, ready to go, go center ice, let's go. Goalie on goalie action. Georgiev told the Post he wasn't too familiar with the history between the Avalanche and Bennington, but now that you say it, 
I think I remember a couple of scraps. Doesn't matter to me, said with a shrug. And when he came up with that that big save late in the third on Saturday, I mean, it, he has started to win people over. I mean, the chant of Georgie, Georgie. I mean, that was it was almost deafening. And then to see him willing to go scrap it up with Bennington, who was definitely um, well, <laughs> got down two nothing early on. Avalanche kind of got in his head a little bit. He was getting scrappy. And that uh, when Bennington, you know, you know, was going to get involved in a little bit of a dust up, and that's when Georgiev challenged Abe. Let's go, let's go. Didn't happen. Georgiev, Georgiev said the ref called me back. But it's the thought that counts, though, right? As they say in the Denver Post article today. It is. I mean, and as much as people love Frankie Pavel Franco, I think that certainly. Alexander Georgiev won won a lot of Avalanche fans on Saturday. That's a great moment in Avalanche history, which everybody remembers. Loss skating to the red line. And, you know, wasn't there two? Didn't he lose to Mike Vernon and then he beat Chris Osgood? I think that was the case, yeah. Oh, those were good. Those were heady days. Yeah. The Red Wings-Avalanche rivalry. Yeah, and, and look, the, the Blues have kind of become that, that, that team. Central, Central Division opponent. Team that the Avalanche beat in the playoffs last year. Nazem Kadri crashing into Jordan Bennington. Wasn't an intentional. Bennington taking exception, injured his knee. He was out for the rest of the series. After that happens, the, the collision chucks the water bottle at Nazem Kadri when he's doing his TV interview during the postgame. <laughs> and so, so Bennington and the Avalanche, they have some issues. And and you saw that Saturday with Jordan Bennington when the Avalanche got to him early on. And he was he was scrappy. For a goaltender, he was a very scrappy guy on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, that, that he was. He was getting in everybody's face after that third goal. He went right at uh, Logan O'Connor. As soon as that thing trickled in, uh, he didn't have any of it. He probably wanted to get a little juice into his team. Knowing that they were down 3-0 and still had a lot of hockey to play. Yeah, you know, as you know, they, there was the little scrum. Logan O'Connor tried to get the the rebound. Bennington didn't like Logan O'Connor getting physical. They pushed. Then the scrum ensued, and then, I mean, Bennington even tried to get a piece of Curtis McDermott from behind. Not a smart move on the part of one Jordan Bennington. And then that's where Georgi was like, "Hey, you and me." Let's go. Like like Georgie said, it's like, look, you know, I'm not they're gonna allow their six guys, you know, to go against our five. He goes, I'm not gonna let that happen. This happens every time the Avalanche and the Blues play the last three or four years. It was such a symbolic and cathartic series win last year when the Avs just train just like put Put them on the train tracks and ran right through the Blues. That was such a great series win and symbolic because of the way St. Louis and even Las Vegas plays. They're a physical team. They want to get the abs off the puck. They want to hit them and hit them and hit them. And, you know, these wins like this and the win like that in last year's playoffs, that, that's big, big time. It shows the Avalanche can play that type of hockey and still pull out the W. Yeah. So, great win. It was fun to be there on Saturday to watch it. And I want to thank Chris Schaefer and and uh, Cole Pomeroy over at Avalanche, uh, over at uh, Altitude for inviting us over 
for their affiliate event. It was a lot of fun. Had a great and a great game to watch on Saturday with the Avalanche beating the St. Louis Blues. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back with hour two. You're good, the bad, the ugly today on the Jim Davis Show.